0: Welcome to the Valley Advocate Podcast, featuring interviews that take us deeper into the people and happenings on the local scene. For more podcasts and a closer look at what's going on in the Valley, visit us at valleyadvocate.com.
1: Hi, welcome to the Valley Advocate Podcast. My name is Dave Eisenstadter. I'm the editor of the Valley Advocate. I'm here with Steve Ferrer, who uh, just wrote uh, our cover story this week, remembering David Berman and his ties to the Valley. David Berman. Uh, musician and uh, writer, head of the Silver Jews, and he recently, last month, uh, passed away, committed suicide. And um, Steve, you wrote a, a great uh, uh, piece about his ties to this region. Uh, maybe you could talk about first kind of how you approach the story and, and who you reached out to, to find out his connections to, to around here.
0: Well, it was interesting. I mean, I, I knew David, I knew the name of David Berman a little bit, but not a whole lot. I knew, you know, he was a musician, that he had fronted this band that kind of had a, kind of a cult following called Silver Jews. And that's about the extent of it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, what happened is well, we learned about his death uh, when he killed himself, unfortunately, in, in August. And then I started reading about him and discovered this guy was huge in the sort of indie music. F- a scene, and also in poetry. There were major profiles of him in obituaries, notices in uh, a huge range of publications. The New York Times, the Washington Post, the New Yorker, Slate Magazine, you know, Spin, Rolling Stone, you name it. This guy was, you know, I discovered how big a following he had, even though he'd never been like a big national name, so to speak, as a musician or as a poet. Most, most poets don't get that kind of notoriety. So, and then I also learned that, you know, that I did not know that he had uh, been in the Valley for some years in the, you know, roughly in the mid-1990s when he attended the uh, 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 the master's program, the MFA program at, the U- at UMass Amherst for poets and writers, uh, where he, you know, became quite, um, you know, uh, not- noticed as a poet, but also made connections to a lot of musicians here in the Valley— so it was basically trying to find people that he had sort of been involved with or that knew him, and that would be willing to speak with, to me. And some of them were not. Mm-hmm. So it was, diff- it was a very emotional time. I mean, his death clearly devastated a lot of his good friends. Um, so it was a matter, we decided we would try to try to piece the story together bit by bit rather than try to rush out and compete with all these big publications that had broken the news very quickly. We weren't going to be able to do that.
1: I was interested to read, and you get right to this, that um, he he was a musician, but he didn't really like playing guitar out. He was kind of uncomfortable with his voice. Um, you listen to a, a bunch of his, you watch a bunch of uh, music videos, YouTube videos of his um, singing. Kinda, how would you describe, um, you know, the sound of of his playing, of his singing?
0: It's kind of a very rootsy sound. Like, you know, that was one of the questions I asked some of the people I eventually caught up with some musicians and writers, and who, you know, they said, did this guy sort of present himself when he was in the Valley primarily as a, as a poet and a writer or a musician? And they said, well, it was, a, it was some degree of both. He was known more as, you know, he was there studying poetry, and he was, you know, impressed a lot of people with his writing ability, but it was, it was you know, people discovered that he had this uh, sort of side project as a songwriter, and that was something he wanted to develop, but he was not sort of a, you know, he was not first and foremost a musician. You know, he played a bit of guitar, but he like one. Uh, Peyton Pinkerton was one of his good friends. Is a longtime musician in the valley. He said he was not a guy who was like comfortable, you know, performing in front of people, and was he was you know, he was not you know real secure about his voice. So his, at the risk of offending all the Dave Berman fans out there, I David Berman fans out there, I would say that you know he was kind of a lo-fi kind of rootsy. Songwriter. A lot of his early albums are very kind of low tech, very straightforward approach with guitars and drums. And his, you know, he had kind of a flat voice. He was not a great singer, but you know, neither was Bob Dylan. Mm -hmm. A lot of a lot of the music critics out there came to believe that Berman's voice was quite effective for the for the songs that he wrote, which were you know kind of pretty deep and wide ranging.
1: You spoke to a longtime professor at the the MFA. Writer's program at UMass Dara Weir, who said that Berman was a, a genius, a real genius. Can you talk about kind of your conversation with with her?
0: Yeah, we talked on the phone, and she also sent me a follow up email. And she did call him a genius. She said, you know, and, and and she said that he was, you know, he had a very unique and unique approach to poetry. I can't get more details than that, but she was very impressed by his work, as was her uh, her late husband, James Tate who most people in this area will remember was an award-winning poet. He won a National Book Award for his poetry. He won a Pulitzer Prize. He was the head of the MFA program at UMass for Poets and Writers at that time. And he was also a big They were both big fans of his work. That's what Dara told me. And uh, he has his sort of just his unique—he had a a sense of humor. He had a um, very—it's hard to say what else you would say about that— you know, cuz i'm i'm probably more familiar with his, his song lyrics than his, his poetry but she just i remember she said to me we just were big fans of his sort of out of the you know out of this world approach to poetry it was very
1: unique talking about his music you know he did some recording here in or 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 at least uh, he stayed here in Northampton uh, kind of later in life to do a little bit of his recording i understand uh, he, even when he was sort of having some kind of troubles later in life maybe you could talk about kind of some of those like later connections that he had with the musicians that he met around here.
0: Well, he had stayed in touch with a number of people. One of them was a guy that I talked to at length for this article, uh, Peyton Pinkerton, a guitarist, and uh, has played with a bunch of bands in the area. He was uh, one of the guys who formed New Radiant Storm King. Um, He was a student at Hampshire College, I believe, when he met uh, David Berman in the 1990s. And uh, uh, Peyton also played with him later on, when uh, David Berman began his first tour ever, he primarily just recorded music and released the albums without ever appearing live or rarely doing it, but he toured between 2006 and 2009, and Peyton did all those tours with him. They went to Israel, they went to other parts of Europe, they went across the United States on a bunch of different tours. And uh, another friend of his at the time was Joe Pernice, who was in the MFA program at UMass with him, and uh, was Joe was one of the seminal guys for the uh, the alt country band the Scud Mountain Boys in the 1990s that became pretty big out of Northampton. They were signed by a big label at the time and, and then Joe eventually went on to become part of the Pernice Brothers. Um, and I unfortunately was not able to reach Joe for this article. He was you know clearly pretty devastated by, by David Burma's death.
1: His death and his music and poetry also um attracted the attention of a a New Yorker writer, Sarah Larson, who also was a 1995 UMass alumna. And uh, she talked about kind of being at UMass at that time, uh, David Berman really was someone you knew around campus.
0: Yeah, I think she said that and well. And and, uh, she said, I I think we have the quote in the story. I can't remember word for word, but she said, basically, if you were an undergraduate at that time... Taking you know a literature course, you had a, a an excellent chance of being taught by a future musical, musical heavyweight, mm. either Joe Pernice or David Berman. He said that you know that that David's music wasn't as well known then, but he was you know he was uh, his poetry was considered very good, and uh, and she later became a big fan of his music, and um, you know and she became a, a fan of Joe Pernice, so I think she stayed in touch you know indirectly with David Berman through. Uh, Joe Pernice, who who had who did who in turn stayed in touch with uh, with uh, David Berman for years for years, just like Peyton Pinkerton did, and um, you know he sort of he he made his mark here, and he, he he had already recorded one record, I believe, when he was a student here, and that was with a couple guys who later became core members of the of the. Uh, Indie rock group Pavement. They were friends of his. the the three the, the three guys all met at the University of Virginia when they were, you know, college students. And Berman did some recording with them, and they also later played on some of his records. And then David Berman recorded another record in the Valley in 1996 called The Natural Bridge, and that was done with Peyton Pinkerton and a bunch of other local musicians.
1: You know, you talk to people about kind of getting to know David Berman and a little bit of the duality of his his personality you know he he was described as a raconteur kind of the life of the party but also had some real um dark moments too uh, especially in his very public split with his his own father maybe you could talk about that
0: right yeah i mean and Peyton said uh, that when he was recording the natural bridge with uh... David Berman, that Berman was, you know, definitely he was having a tough time in the studio. He was, you know, I think he felt a lot of self-doubt of what he was doing. He wasn't sure he was his voice could was good enough to front the band. And he it, apparently they were they were staying together. Uh, David Berman was staying in Pinkerton's uh, apartment at the time, and he was like up every night. He couldn't sleep. <laughs> he said he eventually had to go to the emergency room in the hospital to get some sedatives. But they eventually got the album done. And so he he said he did say that he said you know that uh, David was a uh, you know, a very could be a great, you know, a, a really funny guy in person, smart, knowledgeable about a lot of things, but he was also prone to depression, and that was something that, you know, he battled with uh, clearly a m- much of his adult life, and even when they were on tour together in the, between the 2006 and 2009, he said, you know, sometimes David Berman would just be just really down on himself for how he'd perform that night. It was very hard to sort of talk him out of his mood. And then, you know... Uh, there were periods when he was living in uh, Nashville, Tennessee, where you know uh, he tried to commit suicide. He went through depression. He went through periods of substance abuse, and as you mentioned, he had this very public break with his father, who was a very powerful uh, lobbyist and public relations guru who had worked for some you know kind of, sort of what tobacco we tobacco, kind of sleazy yeah. companies. And he, you know, he said in 2009, David Bourbon said, "I'm you know I can't I'm not I'm going to stop." Recording and playing music because I need to step back and spend all my attention trying to right the wrongs that my father has done. Then that's pretty dark, you yeah. know, to have that kind of be that estranged from your parent and to be public about it.
1: And, and to feel the the weight of having to feel like you're writing a wrong from your family. It seems like a bit, it's a yeah, bit, it's a I, you know, I huge imagine there's to some, carry le-
0: some level of guilt and you know, uh, I don't know.
1: So, some of that um, kind of. You know, you describe it as some kind of dark humor comes through in a lot in uh, in some of his songs and and poetry. Uh, Do you have any examples that you could share?
0: Well, I know in one of the there's a a song we mentioned in the record where he says a song begins with the the lyrics something to the the effect of you know where's the paper bag that was holding the liquor just in case I need to puke. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, he 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 would he would often just poke. Found it himself at his own condition and to, tr- to sort of try to make light of it. And, and then Sarah Larson, in the piece that she wrote for The New Yorker following his death last month, said that, that he was able, I think she said, he could articulate loneliness in ways that were very universal, that could make, that really prompted, to make you, to make you feel personally less alone. And that was something that struck a chord in a lot of people, I think, you know
1: yeah well people can um, can check out uh, some videos that we've embedded in in your story remembering David Berman and his ties to the valley it's um, it's in the advocate this week it's also online valleyadvocate.com thank you Steve so much for speaking with me alright it's been a pleasure
0: thanks for listening and don't forget to visit us at valleyadvocate.com com.